everybody welcome back to another episode of the dead writers talk a podcast brought to you by the dead writers society i'm your host jess and thank you so much for tuning in to episode two of our podcast now episodes will be uploaded every other week on thursdays at around 8 p.m est on the youtube channel we're still looking into getting our podcast put over onto spotify so stay tuned for that now this week i am very happy to introduce our guest she's who we all call the lawyer of the Dead Writers Society. And personally, I like to kind of call her the goddess we worship. So big welcome to Aurora. Hello, and thank you for having me. Thank you for joining us. Of so, course. <laughs> jumping into it. Before I get into the questions I want to get into, do you want to kind of touch on maybe why we call you the lawyer? Sure. So... I, it kind of happened when I first joined, we were, they were just, you know, spitballing ideas and things. And I just kind of threw out, just be careful with that, you know, some legal stuff. Uh, I have been in the writing community for about, about five years. And I started when I was 18. So I started as an adult and getting into it, I was thinking a little bit more proactively about okay, what do I need to be careful of in an online space if yeah. I am hoping to be in good standing for career in the future? <laughs> so I've looked into a lot of legal stuff. That stuff interests me. So I'm kind of like the, not an official lawyer, but the legal consultant will look stuff up for you, tell you <laughs> what's legal and not legal in a writing capacity. <laughs> It's great. It's great. We have uh, some legal advice on our side that we definitely don't use for any other <laughs> crimes that may or may not be committed ever. Yes. It's also great for, you know, crime writing. <laughs> yeah, that would be an asset for sure. It is. Yes. Now, what do you do for the Dead Writers Society? Anything they want me to do, but also... <laughs> More specifically, I started as the website developer and newsletter chief. So just kind of everything to do with the website there and sending newsletters from that platform. Um, but I also have picked up recently doing um, writing coaches. I volunteered to be the director for that because I participated as a coach. And since I was already on the board and kind of had an in on how everything was going, I said, sure, I could do the directorship as well for that just to help it run more smoothly for future rounds yeah I mean you've been a blessing to all of us <laughs> I remember when your application came through and <laughs> after your interview like it was just the talk of the chat they were just like this is who we're hiring I don't I don't care who else applies I don't care who else is qualified we want her. I know I applied for both thinking, oh, I'll probably get one. There's probably lots of other yeah. people applying. And then they're like, we're hiring you for both positions. Oh, okay. <laughs> you get to wear two hats. I know. Um, so how did you kind of like learn how to do like the website developy designy stuff? Trial and error. Um, <laughs> I have been in other writing societies before um I was I once where I started with We Heart It I was on the We Heart It, we Heart it writers team mm -hmm. um, but then that kind of the website itself management tanked 
And so we kind of shifted and became the We Heart It Gazette. And then from there, we also did um, some other writing societies that branched off of that. One of them that wanted a website and I got to work a little bit with the girl who was designing the website for that, who had Wix experience and then building my own author website. Um, just a lot of experimenting and um, figuring out what works and what doesn't. I am not extremely artistic, so I <laughs> gladly take graphics that they provide me with and manipulate <laughs> the website to reflect that. <laughs> I would not think that you weren't good at graphics given what the website is now. Yeah, I actually had to drop out of art class in high school because I was failing it. It was bringing down my GPA. Oh, no. So I, I just, I had to drop it. I'm not gifted in like physical art like that. I Writing, sure, but like <laughs> anything else. Eh. I mean, that's a step ahead of me. I didn't even try to take art class. I was like, I know I would fail, so I'm not even going to start. <laughs> I know it's it's something that I do on the side just me and nobody else has to see that <laughs> so you mentioned like the the gazette is that kind of also where you kind of get your experience for the newsletter a little bit yep we did like a couple of us took turns writing a newsletter for that it didn't last long just because there weren't many people that were as motivated to keep it going so yeah. it makes me really grateful for our team with the Dead Writers Society, everybody is so motivated and it makes it so much fun. I agree. We always have fun. <laughs> <laughs> um, do you kind of have any like hopes for uh, like the future of the website and the newsletter kind of thing, something you want to do? So many things. Yes, <laughs> we have so many things we want to do. The website is going to be like a hub for so many different things. Um, we're hoping to get a lot more resources up on the website for people who are interested in you know publishing and things like that and you know workshops and we're just hoping to have more on like because we're just going to keep growing so the website is also going to keep growing and developing yeah. I know eventually we want merch too so I'm so just, oh, I've been pushing for that since day one <laughs> it'll be exciting everything that comes and you know with the newsletter hoping that the newsletter is going to grow the more events we have the more um the more services we have I'll get because the newsletter is honestly just we get to gush about everything we're doing yeah and it's fun to write when we have so much that we're doing it's exciting to brag about it <laughs> a little bit of bragging is fine yeah it's fine <laughs> do you work on the newsletter alone or do you kind of work with one of the other board members it's just me. I try to reach in with everyone in the different departments, see if there's anything that is coming up that they want me to share in the newsletter and then just kind of compile it all. Um, I also try to compile dates and things on a little calendar in the newsletter for people. And then I run it by our founder and then send it out. And then it goes out. Do you yeah. have like a schedule you follow for the newsletter? Like like a set time like every week two weeks month something like that so right now we're, we're doing it about every month um I know we're probably gonna have to start sending out it's a great resource to send out to everyone that signed up and for people who check their email more than they check Instagram yeah. um you know probably sending out a bit more 
as we have more events that people need to be aware of um, for now we only have you know one or two events a month so one single newsletter going out is enough without annoying yeah. people <laughs> eight emails in one day I know. <laughs> don't forget about us we're right here <laughs> they'd love that <laughs> So to kind of take you more into like you individually and something I kind of like to say is you can say as much or as little as you want to because it's about you. So uh, what made you get into writing? Um, Well, I think like most writers, I was just kind of introverted. Reading was my thing to do. um, And I was always making stories in my head, but for some reason I didn't think until I was about 16 that, hey, the stories I'm making up in my head are actually pretty good and I should write this down. (laughs) And (laughs) so like when that idea hit me, it felt so novel to think that at 16, just because like nobody had ever said, like that had just never been really an option. I went to a really small school. My class was 16 kids. and Oh, wow the creative arts were not really pushed. So like, I just never even thought I could do that until I was about 16 and then I started and I wrote one book and then I wrote another and then I wrote another <laughs> and then it was pretty clear it was an addiction. And <laughs> here I am writing still. <laughs> yeah, I know. Like it's sometimes you'll have English classes where like they're like, okay, write me a little short story. But it's definitely not as big as it probably should be. No, it wasn't. And I think in my entire class, there was only one other person that was considered a reader. And so we were kind of the out, like the nerds of the class. And so it was just, yeah, it wasn't even really a thought in my head because I didn't know people who did that. So yeah, I was kind of one of those like, very much like you you could tell like oh she's the nerd mm-hmm. I would constantly get in trouble in classes because I'm reading a book while the teacher's teaching oh, I'd get called out in front of the class and like are you paying attention I'm like absolutely not <laughs> <laughs> at least you were honest <laughs> did not help <laughs> um so I know you are also querying right now I am So do you want to kind of talk about what your experience have been like with that? Maybe even give a little teaser on the actual book you're querying? Sure. So I'm querying right now a YA fantasy, which Mm -hmm. is, I know, it is the most oversaturated market. I don't care. Just all of it. (laughs) Give me all of it. Coupled with pandemic, just backlash on the publishing world it has been not a huge success on the clearing front but the small successes I had for this season of publishing I know are really good so my YA fantasy is about a girl who's starting college and it's her orientation night and there's a you know just a little entertainment fun thing going on where it's a hypnotist is there and so she goes to the, the hypnotist show and kind of gets coerced into going up and being hypnotized, except she starts to notice that something isn't right and he's not listening to what she wants. And before she knows it, she's unconscious and she's waking up in this very strange world. 
and she meets other people who were once um, also victims of the hypnotist show that are now stuck in this world as well. And she finds that the longer you're there, the more you forget about yourself and your life and your family, it all starts to fade away. And she's kind of running against the clock of, you know, she doesn't want to forget too much and forget why she even wants to leave because it's a tempting place to stay in. Yeah, that is, I've never heard of something like that done before. And I think that's (laughs) really, really cool. Well, thank you. Yeah. And clearing has been good. I've gotten good. I've gotten very good personalized feedback um, just in terms of that people really liked my pitch. They liked the idea and that someone had said that they found the book charming or at least the pages that they read. But, you know, it's just hard to find where it would fit right now. Um, I've had two full requests and no responses yet on those, but I'm crossing my fingers and very impatiently waiting. (laughs) (laughs) Here's hoping. Yeah. So I've had to send out quite a lot of queries and, um, you know, people think that the stats are bad, you know, that I've sent out about 75 queries and only gotten two full requests. But have to remind people that it's really only the unicorns that are sending out four queries and getting a full request. (laughs) (laughs) That's not normal. And it's definitely not normal now. So if there's anybody out there querying and they feel like they've sent so many and they're just not getting responses, send more. Yeah, I think I, I, I talked to, yeah, I talked to Lee about it in the first episode, kind of like my kind of thoughts as someone who's never queried before, kind mm-hmm. of thinking like agents are kind of waiting for those people who are persistent and keep pushing and pushing for it. Yeah, yeah. And I've heard from Alexa Dunn. She's a really great um, published author that shares her resources about publishing. And, you know, she's very good about saying, nope, it is the unicorns that are only sending out a couple. You have to grind. Most writers have to send in the hundreds of queries to get one agent. (laughs) So just keep going because there is somebody out there as probably about 50 agents have told me (laughs) in their rejection emails so far it's a subjective (laughs) business (laughs) Um, so just because it didn't work for me doesn't mean it won't for another yeah um do you want to kind of explain what querying is and what the process is for those who might not know sure so querying is for authors with a completed manuscript who want to traditionally publish as opposed to self-publishing um to traditionally publish, I would say most, most, probably 90 or more percent publishing houses, at least in the United States here, you have to have an agent. You cannot query them unagented. I think there's about 30 or so reputable publishing houses that accept unagented manuscripts, but it's obviously very competitive um, because if anyone can send it, they're going to get a lot. So yeah. yeah. So you have to have an agent. So to get an agent, you have to query. And that is essentially sending a one-page um, letter where you give the pitch, the premise of your story, and all of the data on your story, all the details about it um, from a marketing standpoint. And then anything else personal to the agent of why you would want to work with them. Um, and if they Sometimes they'll want that you're opening pages as well. Otherwise, they'll just go based off of your pitch if they're interested or not. 
That sounds terrifying. <laughs> it is a little. Yeah, you have to have a thick skin. Um, I feel so sensitive when I'm queering, <laughs> but I'm I'm getting better at just accepting that. Nope, it's good that they saw potential in it, and that is enough. <laughs> yeah, it seems like it's very much a process of really laying your heart out mm-hmm. on on a piece yeah. of paper for them, and you're just like, yep. And learning that a re- yeah, learning that a rejection doesn't mean that they think what you sent was bad. You know. Yeah. I have lots of books that I like, but I wouldn't say that they're all my favorites. And an agent is going to pick their favorite to query or to work with. So yeah. it doesn't mean that they didn't like what you wrote or that it's bad. It's very subjective. It is. As <laughs> so many have told me. <laughs> I, I mean, okay. So you're t- querying obviously is traditional publishing, versus Mm self-publishing is there a reason why you're leaning more towards traditionally publishing and not self-publishing yes so I do not I'm not independently wealthy for one so I can't afford to self-publish at the level I would want to self-publish um if I was going to publish I would want to do it in the hopes of making it a career of making money from it to do that I have estimated that I would need at least 5k yeah. And I don't have five cages length. <laughs> so <laughs> I, you know, you either have to have the money to market it, or you have to have something very special about you. And I am your everyday white girl writer. And <laughs> I don't have that something special to market myself with. Cheaply. Yeah. So I need to do traditional publishing, because that is the only way I can, at this point in my life, do it successfully. Um, I could self-publish for fun and I have on Wattpad but that's another story yeah yes a good place for that Mm -hmm. but yes to make it a career to make it something that I could you know live on or at least half live on financially um, traditional publishing I think is the way I need to go or to at least get that badge of I've been traditionally published gives you a little bit more of a reputation a good reputation as an author yeah I think it's a it's a very smart way to look at it because I mean I don't have a full manuscript I have many many ideas Mm -hmm. but when I was looking into like oh this is what I want to do how would I do it and I was very naive in the whole like oh I'll just do it myself Mm -hmm. so I feel like that's kind of what a lot of people would yeah. think. And I thought that when I was 16 and 17 and I had just written my first two books, I thought, okay, I did the hard part. Now I can, <laughs> now I'm ready to be on an author. And with that mindset, I almost got scammed by some vanity publishers. Oh, um, no. Yes. So that is why I'm very glad to be in the coaching program to help younger writers not fall into the same traps I did. Um, yeah. <laughs> because you know you only debut once so you yeah want to do it with your best foot forward you want to do it best foot forward and do it right yeah no matter your age I know when you're younger it's very exciting um to you've written your book let's get it out there <laughs> um but there's really no rush you know there's really no rush and for people who are young like in that that is their goal to publish while they're young you can do it just don't you still don't have to rush it. There's there's time to make everything 
perfect honestly yeah yeah I feel like taking that extra time to really think through it is what can help people not get scammed right right and you just you really would want to put the best possible product out there especially for your first time I I'm probably like 10 years off from publishing a book because I cannot make 10 years is not that long in publishing publishing timelines 10 years is not long at all (laughs) perfect I'm right there yeah you're so close actually uh, it's like tomorrow (laughs) basically you've got it this way at this rate with publishing it might be (laughs) (laughs) um so you said you started as a reader which I find most most of us writers do yeah you have to be a reader (laughs) you have to love reading to kind of progress I guess into writing to know the market yeah yeah that as well (laughs) that's the biggest asset you could have (laughs) yes agreed so if there is one book that you could reread from the start as if you've never read it before what would it be and why it would be a book from my childhood it would be spiderwick by holly black i don't know if you've ever heard of that but it was holly black writes a lot of ya now but back in the day she wrote middle grade and that was one of the books that got me into reading solo like i'd always read books with my parents growing up but that was the first one that i picked out in the library and I just didn't know fantasy could be like that. It was amazing. <laughs> and so that book honestly shaped so much my view of fantasy, my budding love for it. I ended up believing in fairies until I was like <laughs> middle school <laughs> because of that book. But it was great. It was so good. Would you consider like fantasy as like your favorite genre, both to read and write in? Yes, I really like all of the fantasy sci-fi stuff. I probably lean more towards fantasy just because that's a little bit more popular in YA, which is what I write in and what I grew up with. So, you know, there weren't as many sci-fi books as there were fantasy, but I really like both and I do write in both. I agree. I'm very, very partial to fantasy there's just something about a strong female lead with a sword in her (laughs) hand riding into battle that's just perfection to me I know and I I read and write at least to escape but also to explore you know yeah some underlying things but mostly to escape so fantasy is perfect for that yeah I mean I also I use reading and writing as like that form of escapism and I mean, the farthest thing possible from our current world is a fantasy world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, not that I hate our current world. I just, it's fun sometimes <laughs> to take a break from all the stress of this world and yeah. watch another character struggle. <laughs> Let them struggle for a yes. little bit. I'll just exactly. take a break. <laughs> That's what it is, honestly. <laughs> like you're you're clocking out for your break of life Mm -hmm. (laughs) basically um what would you say your favorite series would be Mm -hmm. well 
when I was little, it was definitely Spiderwick, that whole series. Um, I think now my favorite series is the Leviathan series by Scott Westerfeld. It's one of his older series. I think he wrote it before Uglies, which is a pretty popular YA yeah. series now. Um, but it's it was an illustrated story, and it was a fantasy retelling of one of the world wars. I can't remember which one. Yeah. And it was it was just really neat the fantasy aspect of it. Like it was mechanical versus weird animals. <laughs> <laughs> it was great it was about a uh, it was about a girl who pretended to be a boy and snuck into the army basically and yes we, we love the girl bosses so yes girl boss <laughs> go um how many times did you say you've read the series are you one to like do you go back and reread I have tried to reread and I have reread this one um but the, I would say my favorite ones I've I never re- reread more than once. Um, I really like to read new things. Um, yeah. Just to get that feeling of the 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 kind of high you get from experiencing something for the first time. Um, yeah. And I have reread Leviathan and Spiderwick before, but they're mostly my favorite series to share with other people and to loan yeah. out to other people. Like, I want you to read this series because it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely going to be taking a look at both of them after this. my like ulterior motive of the podcast is just to like find ideas for books to buy to my ever-growing list and they're older books so you can get them cheap oh perfect even better (laughs) broke college student here I need that there's so many new books but I'm like oh my gosh new books cost so much right now (laughs) I know I I feel like I might be a little weird in the whole like rereading thing because I there are some series and some individual books that I have read like seven eight times I get it like I'm so drawn and I go back to it yeah I'm that way with like movies and shows I can rewatch something over and over again even if I remember every detail but for some reason not with books I don't know why (laughs) I guess it's kind of like when you with tv shows like it's less of a I don't know I guess I want to say it's less work on your brain to kind of follow it it. yeah like with reading you're you have to read you can't just let your mind you're engaged yes so if I'm going to be putting in that effort I want something new (laughs) fair enough and it keeps you engaged when it's new yeah yeah absolutely I I've been on a little bit of a slump for reading, but I have Daughter of the Pirate King sitting on my desk right Ooh, now. Where I think I've seen that one. Yeah, and I have the sequel as well, and it's a duology. And I, I, I've, <laughs> I pulled it off my shelf a week ago and said, I'm going to read it. And then I haven't touched it. <laughs> but considering my semester's ending, I'm hoping that yeah. will change. Yeah, hopefully that would be great. I think everyone's in a reading slump right now with school and seasonal depression. Yeah. <laughs> All of it. Wonderful time of year. Winter. Gross. <laughs> not even snowing, just dark. Winter in Canada is not fantastic, I'll be real. <laughs> I was definitely born in the absolute wrong country. <laughs> oh. 
don't I, do I envy the snow you guys get because I love winter because of snow oh you should definitely move here then <laughs> we're lucky this year but I remember various years where you would like open I would open my door and we'd be on the porch which is about I want to say a good two three feet from like ground level mm-hmm. and it's just it's full snow like if you were to like you couldn't see the end of the porch to the start of like the stairs or anything yeah as a winter loving introvert snow and trapped in your house sounds great to me <laughs> oh if it snows I'm not leaving like, yes. no thanks <laughs> that's just not happening <laughs> maybe I will have to move there I mean, yeah, if you can get used to negative 25 degrees Celsius. I don't think my husband would go for it. I'd be moving alone. <laughs> I have this great opportunity. Okay, I'm going to love the weather. Okay, you might not, but I will. So just do it because you love me. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> um, I have a couple. Well, I want, I would say a couple whack, but they're not that whack okay (laughs) what fictional family would you be a member of Mm. let me think I don't know because fictional families very rarely have all family members living I know Um, and I don't want to (laughs) pick one that's too dysfunctional (laughs) Let me look at my bookshelf here. <laughs> look, to look the at right the of me. Show. Oh, I would want to be a Pevensey from Narnia. Hands <gasps> down, I want to be one of them. Yeah, <laughs> I get, I get it, I get it. I, I think I've read a couple of the books. Obviously, you've seen the movies. I get it. I would be a much better Susan, I think. <laughs> you know, mentioning that, <laughs> you almost kind of like look like her a little bit do I yeah I can kind of see it a bit so I mean Narnia wants to do a a remake they should I don't know they should cast (laughs) I don't know about acting um but I do want to be part of the family and go to Narnia that that would be interesting I mean realistically what I'm trying to like obviously I imagine myself in the books that I read but in actuality if I were to stumble through a wardrobe into a snow-covered war-torn other land I'd be freaking out (laughs) I would not know what to do at any point yeah we would be signing up for therapy not going back (laughs) no like I'd be let's turn around I need therapy I just saw a beaver talk to me and I I don't think that's sane (laughs) it's Um, it's fun in theory (laughs) yeah yeah in the actuality I really wonder how I would manage truly (laughs) um now I have a question from Twitter. Do I have one or do I have multiple? Let me find it. I'm definitely on top of things. Okay, I do have a question from Twitter. Okay. Um, so the first part's more towards Lee, but we'll go to the second part. How do you balance school or university or work along with 
doing what you do for the Dead Writers Society? Yeah, I am blessedly no longer in school. Um, I feel for everyone who is still in it. Good luck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I graduated um, one month before COVID. And so I missed, I know, I feel so bad for people trying to finish school when that started. That was, that was rough to watch. my, (laughs) My grade 12 year was cut off because of COVID. I'm so sorry. Yeah, I was just like, oh my goodness, thank goodness I got out in time, but feel so bad for everyone else. Um, but yeah, so I graduated right before then. I got married during COVID, so it was very nice. And then I started working for an environmental company. Um, I'm a biologist, not a writer Ooh. by trade. So Smart. <laughs> Yeah, and I get to work from home, and I write about 10 reports a day, which does not always take long, Yeah, and so I have a lot of time then to just write on the side and do some tasks for the writing society on the side. It's kind of like my reward, you know, if you, if I get my reports done, <laughs> I get to do creative yeah. stuff then for the rest of the day, and so yeah, I have lots of time to do it the joys of working at home and no longer having homework and exams (laughs) (laughs) have a lot more free time to do creative things which has been really really nice it's cool that like your schedule allows you to kind of keep a balance of your work Mm -hmm. with so you're getting paid but also what you love to do which is right yeah so like people always ask me about my job and I'm like it's really not that exciting like I wouldn't say that this is my dream job but I love that it gives me the free time to do something creative on the side without putting all the pressure on that creative thing to be my income yeah um so it's it's a really nice balance for me that I found and I'm grateful for it (laughs) it sounds fun and I'm a little jealous but I'll get there it's fine yeah you know I just tell people be open to everything um and if you don't like it stop doing it find something else um you don't have to stay in something that's not working and is draining you um just keep trying new things and eventually you'll find that balance that works have you added motivational speaker to your resume (laughs) (laughs) not yet no (laughs) it will be there don't worry. I, I am a writing coach, so I, I did have to get in the mindset of encouraging motivation for that. <laughs> Would you one day want to be a teacher with that then? Teacher in so anything? I actually took some education classes because Ooh. I briefly thought I was going to become a state park ranger. I interned with state parks and I was hoping to get in with the educational part of state parks. Um, So I did some training for that, but it just didn't work out with the timing and everything. And I found a job that just worked and the period of life that I was. Um, So I did that. I was also a, I'm also a musician. I'm a cellist and I taught at a preparatory school for a while. I was a teacher for cello. (laughs) So I do like teaching. I'm not sure I will ever become like a a school teacher. but I do like teaching and sharing knowledge and motivating people in the same passions as mine. So you fit perfectly in with the Dead Writers Society. Yeah, I really love the society. <laughs> 
society cult either way it's fine uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> um so I asked Lee this last time mostly because I think it's really it's funny <laughs> um the dead writer society we obviously shorten it to tdws mm-hmm. I always just say tdws I just say each letter that's too much it, it feels like too much but at the same time <laughs> Lee's suggestion was Tidwis. yes you agree you, yeah so I think we kind of had a joke of we have to say it different every time yeah um Tidwis, Tidwis. <laughs> you know any possible pronunciation you can think of with that um just to confuse people more because I think when you're confused, you get curious and you want to know what did, what is that. Very <laughs> true. Very true. So then we're, we're really just attracting people by being confusing. Look at that. We're really doing the most. <laughs> it's a marketing scheme. Um. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> um, to kind of circle back a little bit more towards you, what is the best advice you've ever been given for writing for life Uh, (laughs) give give us one for writing one for life for life it is try everything my grandma told me you know just try everything anything that comes along anything that interests you anything that you're a little scared of trying try it because you don't know what's going to end up being a passion or where it's going to lead you and so far that practice has been very beneficial to me um for writing the best advice I've gotten is not to take any advice too seriously (laughs) um because there's so many different art is art and there's good and bad ways to go about art but there's no right and wrong way to do it um so long as you're not breaking laws and we're hurting people (laughs) um so just there's so so many writing tip accounts writing advice um and there's so many you know publishing places out there that are saying this is how you have to do it um and I don't think that's true and I know it's not true especially because like in querying um where they say, this is how you have to query, this query won't even be considered because it was written like this. Um, just look up bestsellers, their queries, their queries suck, um, but they <laughs> became bestsellers. And, you know, because times are always changing. So there's no right way to do something. Obviously, you want to try to follow grammar rules and things like that. But, you know, they can also be broken for a purpose. They're broken all the time for a purpose to yeah. emphasize something in a story. Um, so yeah, anybody who's saying this is the only right way to do something, or this is the best way to do something, steer clear of that because it can very, it can get you down in your writing. Um, I just try to absorb lots of good writing and lots of writing that you like. And that's usually a good, good, good way to follow instead of looking up every rule about writing. Smart advice. (laughs) Some, I will also be following. Uh, that is the end of the questions I have for you before we wrap it up. Is there anything else you'd like to say? Anything you want to add? Um, 
thank you for having me and everybody go to the website and sign up for the newsletter (laughs) go newsletter it's amazing it's awesome the website (laughs) looks beautiful it's all Christmassy winter themed the snow has been killing me on the website like it keeps migrating like there's a bug like I'll like log on the next day and the snow has moved somewhere (laughs) and I have to fix it like drag it back to where it's supposed to be it's been great every time I've looked at it but you know what it's just gonna keep getting better and better I've been obsessively checking now the snow is bothering me (laughs) it's like a part of your routine when you wake up you're like okay so where is the snow I check several times a day yes (laughs) hopefully the snow can just lock onto one spot but thank you (laughs) so much for joining me for episode two of the dead writers talk podcast yeah thanks for having me absolutely uh so everyone listening enjoy have a safe happy night and we will see you next time